not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. But did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Terror, horror, death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Last Week on Earth, the podcast where we cover everything that happened during the last week on Earth. I mean everything. People write into me. They say, Glebe, it's impossible. It's a big planet, 8 billion people. I say, you're wrong. You don't know how... how comprehensive a podcast can be i like to get in there and i i don't shy away i'll, I'll be, we'll be covering about three hundred thousand topics today and why not um I, I exaggerated slightly uh i also am happy to report as you can tell by the fact that i'm speaking i am back from florida i survived the uh dragon's mouth that is the penis of america <laughs> um and uh it's nice to be here um I am now addicted to bath salts, and I have a strong desire to eat the faces of people I know and some that I don't know that I encounter upon the streets of California. But I don't blame Florida or the bath salts. It's just the new me, new year, you know, turn the page, try something different. And um, my guest today is no exception. Well, that's weird to say that way. <laughs> Well, you also want to eat my face. I do want to eat your face, but just don't don't take it as a compliment or an insult. It's just you and everybody. I have an intense desire to bite people's faces off now. Florida does that to people. New year, new you. It's exactly right. New year, new me, and that new me is the face of others, literally on top of my face. It's a little lotion in the basket but that's how it goes sometimes. My guest, you may recognize her voice from those little snippets you just got right now, um, but you know her, you all know her and love her. Her name is Eliza Orleans. And she was a contestant on Survivor Vanuatu. Yes. Right? Yep. And became such a fan. You finished fourth on that. I did. Then became such a fan favorite that they had you back for Survivor Fan Favorites versus what? <laughs> I don't know. I it was done. called Fans versus Favorites. Exactly. So technically the favorites were fan favorites, but they called the season Fans versus Favorites. So you favorites. were the favorites. Yes. And then the fans got to compete against you. Correct. And did the fans win that one or did the favorites win? The favorites won. That makes more sense. Yeah. They're more seasoned. You exactly. can't it's hard to win a survival contest when you're in an island by yourself while you're also fangirling out. Yes. I didn't win though. I know you didn't win. Some of the fans beat me, so I don't know. I have no claim to fame in that one. Fair. But your claim to fame more is societally, I believe, because you don't, you know, you might think a lot of times stereotypically of reality show contestants as people that are, I don't know, like fame hungry people or people that just want to be part of Hollywood for whatever reason. You just loved the show Survivor. Correct. I was but, a big fan of the show. But your life is one that is more of a heroic thing than anything any reality star has ever contributed to society. You're a public defender in New York City. That's correct. New York count, New York State. New York State, New York County, New York City. All three. Exactly. New York needs to diversify what it names things, first well, of all. 
New York County is Manhattan. So that's the borough that I practice in. And if people get arrested in Manhattan and they can't afford to hire a lawyer, they might get me. So you're incredible because you are... Thanks, man. You're very welcome. You're an incredibly intelligent person. You're very funny. You're very... Your brain is sharp as a whip. You're as good as it gets. And single. So thanks for the And single. <laughs> Eliza Orleans. You can follow you on Twitter at Eliza Orleans. E Orleans. E Orleans. Letter E O R L I N S. Exactly. So live tweet along with the episode. And if I post clips of this, which I will probably post video clips, you'll see she's also beautiful. Face very eatable. He didn't edible. tell me until I was on the way over that we were doing video in that addition to audio. This so. is her with no makeup. This is me with, with podcast. You know, I thought we were doing audio. She's wearing workout clothes, <laughs> podcast audio clothing, and still looks lovely. My Thanks, father, you, as, as you walked, he goes, good looking girl. <laughs> so just so you know, you've gotten the Nate Dog seal of approval. So before we talk a little bit more, well, let's talk about Survivor first, and then go into the public defender stuff, which will, I think, lead more into the state of our country. So Survivor, you're a big fan of the show. You get on it. How did it meet or not meet your expectations? Um, when people watch Survivor, I mean, you see people just losing weight. You see them with like clumps of hair falling off with mosquito bites all over their legs and arms and backs. But I think that the magnitude of suffering is something <laughs> that just isn't depicted or maybe isn't depictable on TV. You can't really grasp how much these contestants suffer really, until worse. you are out there. Because it's not fun. It's only a 42-minute episode once a week. What are they going to do? Show us miserable, not mm. sleeping, shivering in the rain, not eating, being hungry, talking about food 20 hours a day. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's not interesting so to watch. So it's that intense, though. So you don't really grasp how much you're going to suffer. You're like, right. oh, cool, the competition and the strategizing and the social game and the whatever else entails you know the game of survivor but you don't think that much about how brutal it's going to be until you're out there starving to death <laughs> yeah so they don't fake it at all no. it, is, it is not reality fake bullshit in that respect absolutely not no, no you're left to your lonesome to your own devices right no i mean no toilet paper no toothpaste no wow. toothbrush no razor nothing how do you deal with no toilet paper um it seems like that's the that's the deal breaker for me so People use lots of different things. Leaves, I Leaves, assume. smooth stones, um, the ocean. Um, uh, girls would, we, we were provided tampons. And so, you know, sometimes you can pull apart a tampon and use uh -huh. that. <laughs> so you're using um, smooth stones. So people are just leaving shitty stones all over this island. Well, not all over. We would have areas that were designated as bathroom oh areas. God. So you're not just like walking Can't through other people's feces. Give you the toilet paper? My God. And then, is it true I heard years ago that. After a couple of days, your body like detoxes and like you don't even smell bad as far as not having deodorant or toothbrushes. Is that true? I mean, I didn't smell bad. I smelled like a flower the whole time. But yeah. no, people stink. <laughs> like stink. Damn. Yeah. Especially men. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It's because we've got a lot because we, we're animals. I don't know. I don't know either. You don't have a theory on that, do you? No. Interesting. What uh, do you win any money or prize for being fourth place? Yes, wow. everybody wins money. Um, even the very first person voted off, and then it's scaled through. Oh, that's nice. The uh, final person who wins a million dollars, but they were winning a million dollars back in when the show started in right. two thousand one. You would think that They've they would up the it. prize now, but no. They've it's never the same. upped it. They've never upped it. Mm. Um, and after taxes, it's like half that. Well, I came um, from a game show where the top prize was ten thousand dollars divided by two people, so. A million's pretty good. A million's pretty good, but think about what, how little 
those contestants on Idiot Test suffered. That's a very good point. I made a couple jokes at their expense and then go on about their day. I lost 20 pounds Damn, in 37 days. Boo. Yeah. In I was like ribs, geez. just all bones. Yeah, looking Holy. not like cute skinny, not even like LA model skinny. Like, <laughs> like that girl's starving to death Oh, skinny. man. Yeah. So what do you think you did wrong to not win and right to get to fourth place? Um, oh, that's a good question. So I think to what I did right was probably I was constantly paranoid and I always thought I was being voted off, which mm-hmm. I almost was. I received votes at almost every single tribal council. People were constantly trying to plot against me. Mm-hmm. But the paranoia actually fuels you and you're like, okay, let me make sure. Am I, excuse me, are you voting for me? Are you voting for me? Who are we voting for? Let's vote for this person. But this person's plotting against you. Let's vote for, you know, and kind of just making sure and scrambling all the time to make sure that people are not going to vote you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did wrong uh, the first time was probably just like I should have – I, it's it's complicated, but essentially at like final seven, I the game was like flipped around, and I I went with the with three people instead of the other three people. I was kind of in the middle, so I went into the top four with these three people, but I didn't realize how tight the three of them had bonded, and that they were never going to take me beyond the final four. So I should have maybe flipped it around and mm. tried to turn it back on them and taken the other the other women who were there, but. Um, you know, it's hard to second guess those types of things. It was a classic fourth wheel island survival scenario. Exactly. We're all taught about growing up and you just forgot the lessons of your childhood. Exactly. So overall good experience. You went back and did it again. I went back and did it again. Did you lose weight again? I did. I didn't do quite as well. So I only lost like 12 pounds. Damn. But yeah. Can't believe they're allowed to legally do this to people. Yeah, we sign away our whole well, lives. Like it it's away, like a like, thick contract where you're basically saying if anything happens to you, CBS is not liable. But if people get hurt, I assume they step in and they treat your wounds. Right? They do. They have doctors on set, on set for the us. One time they'll hop on in location, and the doctors check us out and make sure we're doing okay. And if something is really serious, yeah, they've pulled people out of the game and forced them to go be air va- air medevac wow. to the hospitals and stuff. Must be a, just a truly amazing life experience overall. Are it you, is. So, it's incredible. So glad you did it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I would. Am I allowed to tweet still? Can you tweet from the island? Mm-hmm. No, you have no nothing. Oh fuck! Fuck it then. I'm I know. Can't believe One guy it. like lost his mind and he was using a piece of wood as a blackberry. And he was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I miss my phone." You know, really losing it. I sometimes use a piece of wood as a blackberry. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. <laughs> okay, so that's not your normal life, though. No, that is not my. Normally, life. you are a public defender. You truly are a public servant. You. Try to, as best as you can, represent people who are underrepresented, who don't have the money to pay for legal counsel when they're in trouble. What made you go into that line of work? Why public defender instead of private law firm get rich and fancy? Um, gosh, I interned at the public defender's office when I was in college, um, the office that I work in now in Manhattan. And I basically just fell in love with the, with the job, with the population we represent, with the type of work that we do. Um, these are some of the most marginalized people in society who are, have no one fighting for them and to be able to be that person who, who fights for them, who fights for their constitutional rights, you know, why should they be treated any differently than someone who were rich and not a person of color who probably doesn't get searched illegally one tenth of the amount of time that someone of color does in New York city. And so I, you know, I, I just uh, felt really passionate about the work and it was the only job I applied for out of law school. And thankfully I got it. And that's what I've been doing. This is my ninth year at the public. Wow. Defender's Office. Holy shit. You could have made so much money. I know. <laughs> Fuck. 
And so is it mostly people of color that are your clients? Yes. That's just the way our system is, our society is structured still. Absolutely. Wow. And so doing this job, I mean, it restores, when I met you and we spent a bunch of time in Israel together, it restored some faith for me in our in our public defender system, in our government, the fact to know that there are some very intelligent people that are doing this job and you're not getting shitty lawyers that I think a lot of people think you would get with public Definitely. defenders. So that felt good. Has the job restored your faith in our system or what are the, you think are the big glaring problems that still need to be fixed? Um, I would say it hasn't restored my faith in the system, you know, but I don't think I necessarily had faith in the system to begin with. I oh, think good. I, I kind of, got into the work knowing what I was up against. And um, even more so now, I think that we see a lot of problems, you know, public defender offices across the country are underfunded and public defenders are overworked, underpaid and handle hundreds of cases every year, if not thousands in so some still, offices. Despite your intelligence, it's very hard to be as prepared as people that are handling very few cases exactly. for shitloads if of money. I, if I only handled a few cases, if I got to pick and choose which cases and I could devote a ton of time to every single case, I would do a better job on every case, certainly. And so the just the volume of cases that come in. And so a lot of people think of public defenders and they say, oh, they're the people who represent the most heinous criminals in society and why do we want to fund them? And they they kind of misunderstand that the importance of, of what we do as public defenders, it means we're fighting for everyone's rights, for, you know, no one's Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment rights should be violated. And that's why we do what we do. And it should be applied across the board. Um, and so I think it's hard to get funding and it's hard to, you know, continue to get governments to give more money to public defender offices so public defenders have fewer cases of peace and can do a better job on each case and we can recruit more talent. I mean, I think a lot of people leave the public defender's office because they're making no money and they're like, well, I got to pay off loans. I have to do other stuff. Right. I have to, you know, they get the trial experience. They Save for your retirement for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It, does it pay at least enough well that you feel like you can be putting some money away for retirement or is it not? Not really. Not really. I'm putting a little money away. I'm right. trying to be a responsible adult now. That's nice. I need to get just turned to that 35. Place. Oh, Fuck. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so huge caseload. It's very difficult. And obviously, I understand people think it's the most heinous people in Lavinsis. I'm sure it is, but Lavinsis is not. It's wrongly accused people. It's people that have been profiled and now are facing legal things, things they didn't do at all. Absolutely. And they have to now go be stuck in a legal situation where. Anybody who knows, it can cost you so much money. It can take all so much time. And not to mention the process itself is the punishment. I mean, their clients, not even the clients who sit in jail, who lose their apartments, their jobs, their families, their housing, you know, they lose everything. But even the clients who are out of jail, who don't, who are coming back to court to fight a case, maybe come back 12 times over the course of a year and a half before that case ever gets to trial or a better offer is made or something that they can resolve the case. And they have to take days off of work. They have to find childcare. They have mm -hmm. to do, you know, so you don't even think about that part of the, of the system. And even if someone's fighting their case, they're being punished. Craziness. Yeah. And we need to end cash bail. We mean what? Well, so, so the way that bail is set now, it's like if someone has $500 bail set on them, the chances that they're going to remain in jail, because $500 is tantamount to a million dollars. It's something that is some unattainable amount of money. Their family has no money. Those They're living off on the, on the food stamps. Prize structure as well. Five hundred is like a million. So be happy you're giving ten thousand. Yeah, exactly. And so people are like, 
have no money to, to post bail to get their family members out. So people sit in jail and they end up pleading guilty, even if they would fight the case because they want to get out of jail. Wow. And so if someone is given the opportunity to be bailed out and there are these bail funds now that are bailing people out so many more times those cases get dismissed or something good happens in the case because the person isn't sitting in jail and just taking a plea because they're like, I want to end this. Oh, so the bail fund is a good thing. The bail funds are great. They're, so they're propping up. Bill? But is- I, I don't think, you know, so for example, in Washington, D.C., you don't have cash bail. You have, you know, basically they, they put you out on probation. Like it's like a, a bond situation where they allow you to be released into the community and you're required to come back to court. And yes, if you fail to make your court appearances, you'll still get a warrant and could get put back in jail. But at least you're not sitting in jail during the pendency of your case. Right. And you can, you know, be in working. You can be in your apartment. You can be taking care of your family. Right. Why set an amount of money for people that don't that have can't the money? Make the money. Yeah. Right. Just it, that is pretty messed up. And having to can you imagine playing guilty for a thing that's on your record for the rest of your life that you did not do just so you don't have to sit in jail. It's craziness. I've sat there and told clients, listen, even if you maybe didn't commit this crime, this is what it's going to look like to the jury. This is the evidence that the prosecutor is going to present against you. And you're facing X amount of time and they're offering you Y amount of time, which is much less than what you could get. And my advice to you is to plead guilty. Wow. And it's crazy to advise someone to plead guilty to something that they're like, but I didn't do it. And they take your advice. Sometimes. Sometimes not. Wow. Sometimes they're like, hey, fuck you, bitch. You're not a real lawyer. You're a fucking legal aid. I didn't hire you. I don't want you as my lawyer. You know, I get a lot of shit in my job. <laughs> yes. That's one of the negatives other than the pay is that you get a lot. They didn't choose you. And so they give you shit. Sometimes they're crazy. Sometimes they're Absolutely. violent. Sometimes they're threatening. Absolutely. Yes. It's ins- and, and is there any funds to protect you? Is there, any, is there any anything? No. No. Crazy. I know. It's insane to me that. I mean, we've talked about this before that there's just no protections. You're doing like the most, you know, benevolent work and they're not even like the the city, the state, the government is not providing you even like basic security. It's crazy. But for the most part, um, I think my clients uh, at the end of our case, even if at the beginning they, they don't trust me, they don't like me, they don't know, they don't know me, you know, they don't know who I am. And then they see how hard I work on their case. And by the end, most of them really warm up to me and they, they're grateful for the work that I've done for them for the most part. I mean, obviously not all. Right. Well, thank you for doing it yeah. on behalf of society and all of the <laughs> residents of New York. Thank God you're not doing it in Florida. Think of that positive. I know, right? Florida would be way worse. Yeah. Should we talk about the world? Sure. I have to first, before we do that, though, give you a... a whoop, shit's going down. Whoop. There's a nuclear attack heading towards Hawaii again. Oh, my God. Second time. It's crazy. Uh, as you guys know, obviously, I'm sure you heard by now, there was an emergency alert notification sent out on Saturday claiming a ballistic missile inbound to Hawaii. For 38 minutes, residents were scrambling for cover, thinking their life was in imminent danger. And it ended up being a false alarm, a button pressed by an official who worked there. He pressed the wrong damn button. What is he, what did he press? The button that says, not a, a nuclear attack coming? And he confused it? Why does he have to press any button? That's what I'd like to know. What uh, do, do you think this is indicative of some of the inefficiencies of government? Absolutely. This is, I mean, what a horrible thing. I mean, if you, some people were screenshotting their text messages and putting them on Twitter to their family, like basically saying, I love you. Goodbye. Like people thought they were going to die like imminently. And 
it wasn't true. It was a false alarm. I mean, that is just crazy. And of course, Trump was golfing during it. Yeah, didn't even pause the round. No, he didn't bother. And somebody was like, oh, there was an accidental thing. He didn't stop golfing to, to make the announcement. Don't worry, Hawaii, you're not going to die. Ooh, although on the flip side, maybe in some way it was nice because seeing him on TV is also such an anxiety driver. I'd almost <laughs> rather be like, a bomb's coming, but I don't have to see Trump during my last minutes on Earth. True. So there's that. Maybe he had that in mind. Exactly. While he was chipping away at, at our nation standing on the planet. Um, apparently, they have to check the system when they change shift, so they press a button, and they're going to be fixing that system. Uh, it sounds not, like it needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed. Steve Bannon, grand jury subpoena. Trump's former chief strategist was subpoenaed last week by the special counsel, Robert Mueller, 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 the third. There's three of them before him, two of them before, to testify before a grand jury as part of the investigation into the links that are possible between Trump's associates and Russia. Uh, this, I think, is good news. I think so, too. I mean, this is the first person in Trump's inner circle to be subpoenaed to testify in front of a grand jury. Um, and I think obviously it can mean a couple of things. We don't know exactly, but everyone else has agreed to just be interviewed informally. And so the fact that Mueller actually issued a subpoena for Bannon means that either he's using it as, I think, cover. Because like, for example, if I have a client who's cooperating with the prosecutor to get a better deal for himself and the prosecutor doesn't want the other people involved in the case, the other defendants to know that my client is cooperating, they'll subpoena my client. They'll say, you don't have a choice. You must come in and testify in the grand jury or you must come in and testify at trial against this person. So my client has the kind of like the, all right, well, I have a subpoena. I don't have a choice here. You know, this is what I'm being compelled to do. I I would It takes away their ability to like have loyalty in some way. Right. So, you know, I think that by Bannon being subpoenaed, it's basically like either this is because he's cooperating and is flipping and this is just kind of like a, okay, I'm going to give you this testimony because I have to, or he's just in a lot of trouble and he's going to be giving testimony in a grand jury where there's a court reporter, there's a stenographer there taking down all of his testimony. It's under oath. He's sworn under penalty of perjury. And if he lies in the grand jury testimony, they can prosecute him for perjury in addition to anything else he's going to be prosecuted for. Firstly, I can't believe we still use stenographers. It's amazing. We still have the lady with the funny little keyboard I know. that's sitting there typing off on like a fake keyboard. I know. Um, why don't they just videotape and record and use transcription services? Who knows? But it's a cute job, and I think it's a nice relic of the past that we keep. Um, also, Trump ever being short-sighted, not ever strategizing before he tweets, he or releasing statements. He The second those quotes came out in Fire and Fury of Bannon throwing Trump and his family under the bus, I know. Trump immediately comes out saying – He's lost his mind. He's crazy. He's completely bananas. I know. And so now, and then causing, and then his press secretary suggesting that he gets fired from Breitbart, and then he does get fired from Breitbart. I know. So now there's, it seems like there's and no love Sirius lost between the him. two. Sirius dropped him too. Oh, I didn't hear that. Him. Good news. Yeah, Sirius dropped him, but that's because of Breitbart. They they have a contract with Breitbart, and so because Breitbart dropped him, Sirius also had to drop oh, I'm Bannon. I'm so glad to hear that. So now 
he's yeah he and he now he has no more potato mouthpiece exactly he still looks like a potato he does look like a potato. he can just bake himself in the sun or whatever he wants maybe he wants to outgrotten himself i don't want to begrudge him whatever type of potato preparation he chooses i'm just excited that he's losing his ability to speak through his 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 delicious potato mouth me too <laughs> it's hard to know even who to root against, you know. It's yeah, so, in that one, it's I like know. God. Well, you got to. I, I, I'll, I'll be I mean, Bannon's best all. friend if he can all. bring Trump down because uh, Bannon ain't president. You know, Trump's just exactly. he's every day making me doubt the. I literally almost tweeted the other day in a very defeated demo, and I almost tweeted, "Congrats, Trump! You have broken the country. Yep, you've broken our brains. We're broken. He's, like he's broken our brains. Absolutely. Um, I mean." Almost to the point where you wish you were shackled in the house. Maybe not. But 13 <laughs> siblings in Los Angeles shackled in their parents' basement discovered this week when a 17-year-old girl, one of the shackled in the middle of the age group, escaped and called police. Um, her f- parents kept her and her 12 brothers and sisters locked up in filthy conditions, so malnourished. Officers believed at first they were all children, even though some were in their late 20s. Uh, how does this happen? How does somebody have you – know, you know about this probably a good person to ask. How does somebody even have 12 children that the city, the county, the school system is unaware of? I don't know. It's really sad. People thought – the 17-year-old people thought she was 10. The one who That's escaped, insane. they thought she was 10 because she was so like tortured and malnourished and way worse than Survivor. These – right? These parents should like get the death penalty instantly, even though I think it might be too easy a way out. Well, also I'm against the death penalty, but that's okay. a whole other conversation. They should they should chain them and shackle them and malnourish them until they get so malnourished that they wish they were on a reality competition show. Is that it better? does sound like they should um, probably go to prison for a very long time. Gosh darn! Why are you against death penalty? I'm curious, being a being somebody who works in the legal in the in the criminal justice system. Um, so I'm. I just don't believe that the state should have the right to kill anyone. I believe that, and I believe the way the death penalty is administered in the United States violates our prohibition on cruel and unusual punishment. With what, the injections? The lethal injections have been shown. I mean, I've, I, I like ran a, a symposium on this in law school. Um, essentially the way that the lethal injections are administered, they, they, the first, it's like a cocktail. It's like three drugs. The mm-hmm. first drug that they give you is a paralytic. So, it paralyzes you so that when you watch, it looks like the person oh, wow. is peaceful. But in fact, then the second one, like it, it like suffocates you from the inside. It's apparently com- a really, really, really horrific death. Um, and you know, they, they, it's just, it should be, it should be a, abolished. Damn. You know who we're in the company of uh, with countries that kill their citizens, huh. China, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Lebanon. Um, you nice know, folks, we should, not be executing people yeah that's a pretty good point except for the fact that is it better to be able to lock people up forever i mean yes that's also because then also if someone is exonerated subsequently they can be released you can release them even after 40 years in in prison you can still release someone plus the death penalty it costs way more it costs way more because people appeal ad nauseum and it costs crazy amounts of money as it should because but we're not total barbarians about it i've said it before we give them a last meal and we give them whatever they want to eat I don't know if that's even completely true. It's not. They used to print it in the paper, and they would literally like say, like he ate three buckets of KFC chicken, two banana splits, a Big Mac, and I think that's a nice thing for us to do. And I also think that it's kind of funny that when these, even the most like mastermind, sociologically disturbed, psychologically twisted 
uh, grand serial killers of our time, their last thought on Earth as they're about to be killed by the government is, uh, I really ate too much. I don't feel good. <laughs> I did not need that third bucket of chicken. Self-control has never been my strong suit. That is not ideal. Sorry to make jokes about a topic that is very dear to your heart, but maybe I, my joke proves the point further. It is pretty weird. Yeah, it's, that we do it's that. pretty terrible. Um, shithole countries. Oh, boy. Talk about something else terrible. Right. Donald Trump, in a private negotiation session in the Oval Office over DACA and immigration, referred to Haiti and African nations as shithole countries. Yes. Uh, Dick Durbin, the Dick Durbifier, came out and reported this fact. Lindsey Graham did not deny it. The White House did not deny it. But then – and Trump was making phone calls bragging to his friends about having said this because that's something to brag about when you're five years old. I know the word shithole. I said it. People are very upset. Yay. <laughs> Rattling his rattles and eating his Big Macs. Um, and then he started denying it once the firestorm came out. And then Senators Cotton and whatever other one was in there started backing him up on a complete semantic technicality saying he did not say that. It was grossly mischaracterized, meaning they just said shit house, right. not, not shithole. So stupid. Which is obviously the exact same thing. Um, do you believe that obviously the president shouldn't say things like that, but do you think we're, we're having an outrage machine too much in the fact that like, while a president shouldn't say it, presidents have said stuff like that. Nixon, of course, would talk like that. And for, and so would Johnson, Lyndon Johnson had a very filthy mouth, but furthermore, who's surprised that Trump says offensive things? So is there some point where we're like crying wolf too much on ourselves about making everything four days of news where we're almost like backing the guy into a corner where he's like against the wall and he might even, God forbid, react in some horrible way, start a war, launch a weapon? Or do we need to save our outrage for like more select strikes of when we can really remove the person from office maybe? Um, I'm all in favor of continuous outrage. <laughs> I think that – you know, when he says, why are we having people from shithole countries coming here? And, you know, the the presidents of nations, you know, of Rwanda, of Burundi, of Zambia, of Namibia, of, you know, Uganda, of Kenya, of all these places saying the president of the United States said that about our country. I mean, if the American people aren't outraged, then it's just a double slap in the face to the Haitians, to whomever else that he was referring to. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the constant outrage is warranted. And also, you know, it's necessary. I don't want anyone thinking, I mean, I've visited a lot of these countries and I don't want any of those people, you know, associating me with our fucking racist piece of shit president. Yeah. I agree with you for sure. And I would never refer to a country as a shithole. I will plead ignorance. I did not know Burundi was a real country. I thought that was the country from coming to America. Is it the country from coming to America? And they didn't know they are basing on a real country then if they were. It might be the country from coming to America. Interesting. I could have sworn that was fake like like McDowell's was the takeoff on McDonald's. But I'm not the best at geography. But um, wow. Even Burundi, perhaps fictional countries are upset. That's pr are you looking it up? I'm quite curious what the country from coming to America is. Uh, I do remember, I think, I think they were, maybe, you know, he was getting his, they're like, the royal penis is clean, your highness. And then he, they're like, please, this is the, the, the sultan of, the prince of Burundi. Pretty sure. 
Do you have the answer for us? Um, I'm looking. Boom, 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 boom. It's the reality elimination. Okay, so coming to America. An African prince. Don't just give us African prince. We need specifics. I know. But then, and then it's saying the U.S. Embassy in Burundi. I mean, I just know that Burundi is a real place. I don't know if right. it's the place that was. Can you write specifically? Prince Hakim of Zamunda. Zamunda, so that's right. Maybe it was based on Burundi, but it okay, was. Okay, it was Zamunda, and I think Zamunda is a fake place, country. Burundi is okay. a real place. Okay, I'm glad to know that. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I said a fake African country. I'm no, pretty sure. No, I you wouldn't. had it right. I just didn't know if it was also. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I made that up, and I definitely didn't know. <laughs> oh man, I was driving home from the airport yesterday from Florida, which I survived. Like to again let you know, I survived. And I'm here to live and tell the tale. Uh, there was a projection up on a building on, off the 405 that said shithole president, yep. which made me feel pretty good. The same in D.C. on his hotel. Mm-hmm. Those are shitholes. I've stayed in Trump hotels. They're really overblown, overpriced, not great. Um, DACA deportations after 30 years living in the U.S. Jorge Garcia, a 39-year-old landscaper from Lincoln Park, Michigan, was deported on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday to Mexico. His home country move supporters say is another example of immigrants being unfairly targeted under the Trump administration. Not a criminal landscaper held a good job. Um, DACA recipient. So a man who was here under a program declared himself for being here, taken out the country. What do you think is going to happen with DACA? The government might shut this Friday. I think, yeah, I think if that they don't make a deal, a shutdown is. Democrats are saying we're going to shut it if you don't make a deal with us for DACA. But I think no DACA, no deal. I mean, I don't think that – I mean – but also the Democrats, I mean, don't have enough – it's not yeah, It's not true. them who are going to shut it down. That's we don't point. have the ability to shut it down. Yeah, they have 60 votes so, on their side. So they – you know, but I, I really I, I really think that it would be – it would just be tragic to tear apart families after we told 800,000 children that they could stay in our country. After Trump himself said it. He literally tweeted, you can rest easy, you're fine. It's devastating to see these pictures of um, people being torn, families being torn apart, not based on any criminal charges, not based on anything. And oh, it's like breaks your heart. It's not cool. No. Um, You know, Trump's grandfather apparently came here as an immigrant who did not speak English well. As did his wife. That's a very strong point. She's in the White House. Yep. And she couldn't be more immigrant vibey. And Trump's cool with it. He's very selective. But she does come from a white country, though. That's so true. You gotta, yeah, you gotta he only hates that. brown people. He only hates people from brown countries. Exactly. It's, it's literally said in that meeting, he's like, why can't we get more people from countries like Norway? Just like the whitest country you can possibly imagine. Norway, I'd also like people to come here from the white crayon in the Crayola box. Any place that's got no pigment. He's very anti-pigment for being a very pigmented man. Yes. He's an orange-hued human. He is orange. You'd think he's really closer to being brown than he is to white. Right. Far closer. Right. Only thing that's white is his weird droopy eyelids. Right. His hair is a golden, golden brown. Ugh. And his his skin is a Cheeto red. Flaming what? Cheeto. Yeah. It's frightening. Definitely. Oh, my God. What would you do if you met Trump? I'd definitely give him a piece of my mind. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be carried away pretty, rather quickly. Yeah. I think about meeting him. I fantasize about it. Maybe even like being asked to go to the White House or speak or something and like having the first third of the speech be like really like chill. 
and then at the right moment, like turning it and just embarrassing him with this barrage of like a great indictment of all that he's done and represents and making it just, and with like three or four questions posed to him that make it very hard, like say to him, like, look what you've done just to the concept of truth. Look just for your own sense of self-preservation, how you have flipped on its ear the very concept of facts just so you can deny stories you don't like. That's, I think, the most egregious thing he does because as much as as horrendous against the human rights of any individual group, so many of his policies are against the dignity of so many groups. He also is just like trying to tear down the entire American system, which protects all the groups, including white people. Absolutely. And the impingement of free press. I mean, the fact that he's banning certain press outlets from his press conferences because he doesn't like what they've written about him. And just delegitimizing others. It's terrifying. And then even being silly about it. And he's like, uh, supposedly this week going to be releasing his uh, worst media award show. Of the, the- I know. <laughs> Guys, you're not on a reality show anymore. You are reality now. He is the president of the world. No. He is. Unfortunately. The U.S. sets the, the conversation for the world. Thankfully, people like Trudeau and Merkel and, you know, other other leaders exist. Yeah, thankfully, but for far less significant in the world scheme countries. Yeah. America sets the debate, and it's insane. And we just are giving that up more and more. I know you have to go soon, right? What, how many minutes do you have left? I want Let's finish the news. Okay, great. Um. Let's talk about a story of, of the most importance, I think. Oh, yes. Because we've sure we can talk about human rights and sure we can talk about, you know, Crispinas and the criminal justice system and potential specter of nuclear war. But Kim and Kanye, baby number three, because we need more Kardashian West in the world. Right. We really do. The famous couple welcomed their third child via surrogate. The family is very excited. Quote, Kanye and I are happy to announce the arrival of our healthy, beautiful baby girl. Kim announced on her app. Tuesday that you have to pay for. I'm pretty sure you have to pay for it to like get all the content. And Kanye probably just responded by saying, I'm the greatest. Also the baby <laughs> here now. Uh, it is a – what is the baby's name? Did they announce the name? I don't think so. Oh, wow. So we have North and Saint already. Exactly. Any guesses what the new baby's name will be? Oh, my God. What goes with North and Saint? Angel. I could see Angel. I could see a word like earnest or like genius. They might go like, they might change up the the formatting. Or maybe just like Frank. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so messed up to that kid. I'm North. I'm Saint. My name is Ted. Uh, Ted stands for Ted Damn Greatest. Oh, wait. It's a girl. It is? Yeah. It's a girl? Yeah. yeah. They still call her Ted or Frank. I think that's the switch. (laughs) That would be even better. That's the switch. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, do you think that the Kardashians and how insane the world is, do you think they're responsible for any of it? Do you think they have a b- ability to help any of this since we're such a reality show world now? Can they maybe help set the discourse back on track? I mean, they seem to be a good family in some ways. The Kardashians seem to at least care about each other. They're there for each other. Is there any, you know, Caitlyn's done a lot for transgender rights and the family supporting them being the, I've, I've often defended the Kardashians. How much I make fun of them? I also say that them, even just the simple fact of supporting Caitlyn Jenner in her transition, did a lot because they were the cultural deciders, and they decided we're going to embrace this. Sure, I guess. And then Caitlyn supported Trump, but um, yeah, that's such a weird. I move. so I don't. I mean, I think that of course 
they contributed to Trump becoming president. I think mm-hmm. absolutely the, you know, the reality TV obsession that our, our world has gone through is what enabled Trump to become president. You know, is he, everyone who knew him, New York City voted 96% against him. And everyone who knew him knew that this guy was a deadbeat. He was a loser. He swindled his contractors. He was actually bankrupt. You know, he, he, nobody, respected him except for people in middle America who saw the character that Mark Burnett created on The Apprentice and they were like that guy that guy personifies the American dream that guy like has built this empire and it was all fake it was all it was just talk about fake news like it was right. just and Mark Burnett also does Survivor though right yes so why I was blame, that show real? I will never forgive Mark Burnett for creating Donald Trump the uh, the character. Why was that show real? But but then Apprentice had to be fake, and he had to help prop up this orange hued monster. He, I mean, I'm sure he never imagined it would get this far. True, it's very hard to picture this would happen. Yeah, no one even thought it until the ele- until election night. Trump didn't even think it. Yeah, I mean, fire and fury. He's it. like, he didn't think it. Nobody oh, thought it. Oh my lord! Um, so do we have time to launch in? Into Aziz? Yeah, let's do that. stories left. Yeah. No, okay. that's, is that, that's our last one. Left. That and then, and then the old oh, uh, oh, TPs, yeah. which yeah, is yeah, pretty yeah. exciting. We'll that's that true. So Aziz Ansari, it's a pretty big topic, but the Me Too movement continues forward, um, taking or attempting to at least take down some cultural icons. Aziz Ansari accused this week of assault, um, or it was just a really bad date. I saw a open letter that Ashley Banfield on CNN gave towards the accuser saying that she thinks this person's bringing the Me Too movement back some. And in this case, I, I actually very much agree. Um, she had a date with Aziz, met him at some award show after party, and he just wanted to hook up. And that was on his mind, brought her back to his apartment, and apparently was just pretty relentless. But she also was agreeing to hook up along the way much and then didn't like certain things he do, but then continued hooking up, then didn't, and then did, and then eventually left, and in retrospect regretted it. What What do you think? You know, I feel very conflicted about this whole Aziz story uh, about how it came out, about how it was received, about what people are saying now. You know, I feel conflicted on all sides. Um, I think that the reason why people are so upset about it being Aziz is because he has put himself out there as this like mm. woke bro. Like this whole time, he's like, I he wrote this book. I have the book somewhere right here. Right modern, here. Romance modern romance about Aziz, dating and about what it's like and about you know. Like he just kind of acted like he was a person who was in tune with with women and with how they were feeling. And when he dates Mm -hmm. them, he tries to be this sensitive guy and he uses the Whole Foods pickup line. And, you know, it's like Aziz like was someone who we kind of held who, who, who always acted like he was on women's side. And it's clear that with this encounter with this woman and. I believe her version of it. Sure. And, and I, Me too. and I certainly as a public defender would represent him and would win because he didn't commit any crimes. And I don't think crimes, anybody right. is saying that he committed a crime. Well, but she is saying it's assault. Well, so she's the one accusing him of crime. Not really. If you like, I think in the original article, she just says she felt extremely uncomfortable with it and he shouldn't have then proceeded to keep trying to get a blowjob from her when she was clearly uncomfortable with the sexual encounter going any further. But then she says it took me a while to realize and identify this thing as an assault. I think like an assault and like a criminal assault, like a forcible compulsion rape or sexual abuse case, I think are two different things. Like I think that 
this is just broadening the conversation regarding how women are and should be treated and how women react. And, you know, people, people basically have reacted and said, well, this bitch shouldn't have gone back to his place. She shouldn't have dressed cute for the date. She should have gone and gotten a cab. She should have done this. She should have done that. And I think a lot of women are having a hard time with that as a response because I can tell you, I've been in situations where I should have left. I was uncomfortable. I even maybe voiced my discomfort, but not in like a super forceful way. And I didn't leave when I should have left. But why? That's the part I think guys, myself included, aren't understanding is why not? Because if the movement is about realizing and respecting finally and once and for all women for being our 100% equals and should be treated as equals, I know men certainly have the and I get it. There's still differences in the dynamic of the makeup of men and women. And men are stronger and women are weaker and smaller. So maybe that's part of it. I think but- sometimes you worry about the reaction. I think, you know, you think to yourself, well, I have gotten myself to this point. I Did you read Cat Person? That um, New Yorker short story. It's a fiction story that went completely viral. No. It was like the most read fiction story ever, I think. No. So it was this story called Cat Person where this woman... It's uh, written from the perspective of a of a like college age woman basically, and she um, meets this guy. She's working at a concession stand in a movie theater. She meets this guy. He's older. They start texting. She's like interpreting the texts in different ways, and she's kind of creating this person in her head. She barely knows the guy. She's creating this person in her head, and she's like, "Oh my god, he likes me so much. We're gonna have this like great dating life." Where and then she's like, "Oh my god, he hates me." And it's you know you don't even really know what he's thinking. But basically, one night she goes out, she starts drinking with him, and she kind of comes on to him, says, "Why don't we go back to your place?" She's gotten back to his place, and she's like, "Oh, I don't want to be here." I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. But she's like, well, I'm the one who got myself here. I'm the one who came on to him. I'm the one who suggested we go back to his place. I'm the one who was like taking shots of tequila tonight. Like, you know what? Rather than get to the point where then I have to reject him and I don't know how he's going to react. I'm in his home and I don't, you know, and whatever. She's like, I'll just have sex with him. And she goes through with it and then she feels horrible. And it's like this whole thing, but it resonated so much with women because I think a lot of women have been like, well, maybe it's easier just to go through with this than to deal with the repercussions of not. But I don't, I understand them resonating with that. I understand that being something that they do because clearly it's happening. But what I don't get still is how you can then blame man for continuing to do a thing where a hard line wasn't put down because also it's the man's role typically in society to be the initiator of sexual contact and of asking people out and of the first kiss and of all those things. Right. But Ben, if someone said to you, I'm really uncomfortable with this, I'd like to slow down. Right. You wouldn't then continue to try to put your penis in their mouth. Totally. No, but that's not even the article doesn't claim that he put well, a penis in her of. mouth. It claims that she went down on him completely voluntarily and he went down on but her then voluntarily. Then they went to the couch and she was like, I want to stop. And then he tried and then he like initiated again. And it, I don't know. I just think like what we're hoping for, I think, out of even a discussion about this and the fact that we're talking about it shows progress in and of itself mm-hmm. is that we hope people will then sit there and say, okay, let me just like do a check-in. Like, is this person comfortable? Because even if it's a thing that's like in people's consciousness, it hopefully improves 
all encounters for the better for women and for men. For sure. I just hope, and I think maybe we are, maybe that's what a good, you may be right. Maybe this, this particular story is one that's going to be good for helping us define what the line exactly is of consent and of not crossing lines more clearly. That clearly is a gray area in a lot of people's minds right now. But I guess I, so I, so to further finish that point or to discuss it further, what I still don't get is, so I read the whole article. I read all the articles about it and she glosses over the stuff she did want to do. Like she never says she didn't go down on him voluntarily. She did. He went down on her voluntarily. She let him do that. And then she keeps saying he kept putting his fingers in my mouth, right? So right. get his fingers wet, but kept doing it. I think she said like four or five times. I, I'm pretty sure if somebody tried to put their fingers in my mouth or yours and we didn't want them there, they would not be getting into her mouth more than once. If at all, you can bite, you can push them away. You can say, don't put your fingers in my mouth again, please. <laughs> and it wouldn't happen again. So she, it doesn't seem in her own account that she ever said that particular thing she was not cool with. Subsequently, she's like, that was gross. She didn't like it. But the one thing she did specifically say to him, he, she didn't want using words, which are the best way to convey things. She said, I don't want to have sex tonight. And he said, oh, okay, no problem. And didn't have sex with her. And didn't try to have sex with her. Yeah. So I guess what I think is a tough thing for guys to understand sometimes is if we're supposed to be the initiators, of course you're supposed to not do things that make somebody uncomfortable. But also throughout the history of sexual encounters, I assure you most men have been in a place where you'll like try to take a girl's shirt off, for example, and it's too early in making out and she kind of swats your hand away. But then you make out for another hour, and then you try again, and then she does let you connect, and now she's comfortable. So you do have to sort of try again. You shouldn't do it in a forceful way or a creepy way. If you swatch your hand away again, you should stop. You should never be like, come on, we make it out. You never be like lecherous in that way. But it's also you. <laughs> right. You have try to be not the to one. Be a lech. Try. Of course, Just never. Try. But you have to be the one. Somebody has to escalate it to that next level, and it's men's role to be the confident, dominant one. Typically, absolutely. And so, but I think this also. So is what's the stopping problem? her than if she literally thought she was getting assaulted from at some point just saying? You know what? Make up anything. Say, oh, you know what? I forgot. I promised my roommate I'd be back. Or I got a text. Or you know what? I got to go. I'm really tired. Can we meet up again another time? Say anything. But to be, be uncomfortable and then say, okay, let's go on the couch. And then start making out again. And then start – and then and then he said does one thing that you don't like. But then to continue hooking up, I don't get once something's been done repeatedly that you're uncomfortable with, why you would continue any sexual I contact think, I just seems to me that, that, I don't know. that I can see why he thought it was consensual because why is she still there? It wasn't consensual. I'm not saying that under the law it he would be, you know, charged with violating her consent in any way because I think, you know, you have to you you do, you have to say no. You know, you have to in order to then prosecute someone but it's quite clear from her description from her texts which are screenshotted in the articles if people didn't see them that she was made to feel very uncomfortable and whether or not she allowed it to continue past a point where she should have stopped it and she didn't you know maybe you know she's a ordinary girl hooking up with a celebrity you know she that's part of it that's also messed up that's not an excuse it's no no, no because you know i'm a celebrity a little bit to some degree you're a celebrity to some degree so are we held to a to a different standard oh we're hooking up with a, a civilian who's never been on tv and so therefore i need to operate by different standards 
it's she may have stayed there longer because he's a, he's a celebrity. That's on her, right? Because yeah. well, the part I don't that, that's exactly the part I don't get. So I don't think clearly it made her uncomfortable because how's he supposed to know in the moment? I know Aziz a bit, right? I haven't seen him much in in recent years, but he's a pretty docile guy. He's a small guy. He probably weighs like I know. 110 Everybody keeps pounds. saying how small he is. He's just like, like a really like timid, kind of quiet, nerdy, like cute dude. He's not like a brute force to any degree. You know, he's a skinny guy. He's a tiny little kind of mousy guy. So my only point is, are people that are woke, like you said earlier, that are standing up for women's rights that wear times up pins not also allowed to express their 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 sexuality express the the sexual quirks in their head if they're hooking up with somebody and everyone does that you could take anything subsequently and say well that was pretty weird or creepy that he said this or did this or wanted me to do this but that's what all of sex is sex is pretty weird if you analyze it from an intellectual perspective you're like wow the person then licked me my this or did this to my it's pretty damn strange Mm -hmm. So if all of sex is weird in that way and is like our inner like is escaping in expressions of our, you know, raw sexuality that the animals we are, the only way you can also play by society's rules is by seeing if the person says no or yes or if they stay there. So I don't get I know, but but his refusal to hear his date's hesitance on on sex is like a boundary that men have constantly traipsed over. Mm-hmm. It's something that women deal with on the regular, you know, because there are all these responses. A friend posted, you know, all these responses to a woman saying, I would like to take it slow. Mm-hmm. The, the responses are, please, well, just a blowjob. Well, why'd you lead me on then? Well, you know, you're going to give me blue balls. Well, I won't tell anyone. I won't think you're a whore. Oh, I love girls who play hard to get, you know, and it's just like other people have added to this thread and it's just like on and on and on of things that women get when they tell a man they'd like to take it slow. Like, shouldn't that just be respected? Shouldn't that be a boundary when someone says, I'd like to take it slow that you kind of like say, okay, like, let me not try to stick my fingers in your vagina. Like, mm-hmm. you know, overall, totally. And I agree. And most of those things are very cringeworthy statements, but let me just devil's advocate it right back. Aren't there times, if not you've said it personally, that you know of girls who have said things like that as ways to justify doing stuff in their own head? Tons of girls have totally said stuff like, oh, I don't normally do this kind of thing, or like, oh, what do my friends think? I don't know if I should, literally hoping the guy justifies it for them so that they're like, all right, you're right, it's no big deal, and they want to do it. Well, I know, but people should be better about just checking in, just checking in, just like a mutual respect in in terms of sexual encounters. So explain again why, if she was uncomfortable, she didn't leave. If if she thought the guy was being an animal, why not leave? Why then continue to make out? Why then let him go down on you if you didn't like him putting his fingers in your mouth and saying, can I fuck you? Where do you want me to fuck you? Why doesn't continuing to hook up mean you were okay now with the stuff that already happened? Unless she was, of course, afraid that she couldn't leave, or but she never alleged that. So why not leave? I totally agree. People should check in more and be more sensitive and try to be more reading and, the moment. And yes, yes, you should. We should. You know, women should feel free to leave a situation where they're uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's hard to say exactly why so many women have felt like they've been in situations where they should have left and didn't leave. 
I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I can't even explain why I've done it. Right. In a situation where I was, I really didn't want to be there and I wanted to leave. I wanted to stop hooking up with a person and I didn't leave. And like, can I blame him? Can I sit there and say, oh, he assaulted me because I didn't leave? No, probably not, you know, but also had he been reading my nonverbal cues and my hesitance and if had he been more sensitive hey is this is this okay with you is is everything all right once you see hesitance i might have then felt comfortable to say actually you know i'd rather we we stopped right now if that's you know if you're okay with that you know and just if if it had been a more sensitive person and instead that's not what happened um and you know i experienced regret and blamed myself for not leaving but like i did that right that's, I guess, my only point. Like, I totally agree we need to be more sensitive and more cognizant of each other and check in. And I don't think anybody's going to say Aziz was nice or sweet in this situation. I think they're going to say he was aggressive and he was trying, he was caring too much just about getting off and, and hooking up with this girl and using her for a hookup and not being aware of her feelings or caring about her feelings. That's all for sure true. I hope I've never done that in my life. I know I've definitely had lots of fun and I don't believe, got it, I don't believe that I've ever done that i hope that i haven't but i guess um what guys i think are afraid of or or are hoping isn't the case is that um people are just going to go back and and take moments that you're clearly in an ongoing consensual relationship even then saying yeah but you did that weird thing that one time like when the james franco thing came out last mm-hmm. last week some of the things he did professionally at his acting studio seemed shady as hell yes but to me when the girl that he continued that she continued to date him said he pulled his penis out in the car and I gave him a blowjob because it was randomly out there and I figured well I, I, I guess I have to do this and then we continued on to have a consensual relationship that to me means you didn't have a problem with that this is now a different day you've seen him for now days weeks months afterwards it seems like you're just trying to throw people's sex lives out in public to. Be, I don't know, sometimes to get attention or whatever it might be. And I think that stuff muddies the clear line of what we need to be lying, laying the law down on. I agree with you. Word. Well, it's nice that we can talk about it for sure. And I know you have to run. I do. Uh, I've kept you far longer than you wanted to stay. Um, Thank you so much for for doing it. To end on a slightly lighter thing, for one second, Tide Pods. People are eating Tide Tide Pods. pods. Yeah, people are eating Tide Pods. Don't eat Tide Pods. It's It's laundry detergent. They might be pretty colors, but don't. How dumb are people? Them. How do we expect us to like elect presidents that aren't idiots or to know what lines are when literally people think it's funny for internet <laughs> trends to chew on detergent pods? I didn't want it on my said, hands I bet for Eric a second. Trump has eaten. Oh, Tide for pods. sure, for sure. Have you represented people that have eaten weird things, detergent, strange things? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I can't think of what, but. I'm positive that is <laughs> anything you'd like to plug e orleans on twitter yes follow me on twitter instagram e orleans e o r l i n s i rant on on twitter all the time you can follow my political You're very rants passionate there about politics and, and then i just post really lovely pretty pictures of sunsets on instagram so and also e orleans <laughs> also e orleans thank you for being here for being my friend and for all that you do for our thank country you, and for good Thanks people for all you do oh that's very sweet for bringing joy to people's lives my pleasure uh stick around i will say Eliza and I just had a good laugh as I walked her out of the fact that during the story about how sometimes women don't leave when they want to leave, 
I was keeping her longer than she wanted to stay on the podcast because she had dinner plans. Uh, she's not mad. Uh, and I feel bad about that. But ironic moment for sure. Uh, so much food for thought going on in our country right now. And um, that's always a good time to check in with a good cross-section of the country, the brain trust that is all of you, the B-Gleebers and all of us, the Glebe Squad, the Glebe Nation. Let's check in with the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Friends with Benefits. It's time for Twitter Answers. <laughs> Ask the brain trust what is the weirdest place you've ever been and why hashtag twitter answers gabrielle probably saves kevin says my mother's womb it was so weird i was there growing my own body parts and turning into a human it was crazy man <laughs> very strong points and very solid answer at John Hollowich, the hologram himself is back for the third straight week in twitter answers inside my own head Mostly because the physical world isn't that weird, and I can be pretty twisted. I heard that. Julie Rao Martin at Born for Jovi says, The back of a U-Haul truck with an Aerosmith cover band's equipment. Too tipsy to drive, and my drunken friend was out cold. Band drove us home. Lived at home with mom. She freaked out. They carried my friend up front stairs like Herman carried Marilyn Munster from the cellar. <laughs> That's amazing. Pretty nice of Aerosmith. Crazy and amazing. Dude looks like a lady in love in an elevator. Those last two didn't fit into the sentence as well as the first two song references. Also, I'm looking at myself in the video now, and I'm getting fat. I got to lose some weight again. My weight fluctuates. I'm, I'm, I'm the white male Oprah. People have always known that about me. At Brody McCain, weird. I thought watching the Aurora Borealis was weird when I was young and had zero idea. Absolutely no idea what the heck I was seeing. I thought it was the end of the world. I thought... This is the weirdest sky I ever saw. Later, I find out what, I found out what it was, but at the time, I did not know. That's beautiful. I saw the Aurora Borealis one time when I was in Canada in Edmonton, where I'll be soon for stand-up. And uh, it was beautiful. I didn't get to see the full-on display, though. It was kind of like a weird side angle, just a little part of it, the, the Northern Lights, as they're referred to. Um, but it was beautiful for sure. Johnny Deneen at Irish Deneen. Weirdest place you've ever been in the butt. Why? Because tequila. <laughs> Eliza pointed out to me that at least four people replied in the butt. So the brain trust is going strong. Proud of you guys. Katieisms at KDKK, a chapel in Portugal made of human skeletons. What the what? Visiting family slash fulfilling a prophecy so the world didn't end. This cannot be true, right? Is this a movie plot? Can somebody please reply to me on Twitter and tell me if this is a movie plot or if, in fact, there is a chapel in Portugal made of human skeletons? And what prophecy are you... Please tell me this is a joke. It's a joke, right? Oh, my God. And lastly, at Mom of Wonder Twin says, I went to a mesa, which is a Spanish gathering where you are spiritually cleansed of evil spirits. An advisor becomes possessed by whatever demon is doing you harm. Found out my baby daddy was doing some serious voodoo on me. Wow, I thought the last one was interesting. This one's equal level interesting. Well, minus the human bone skeleton. Uh, a mesa. I thought mesa was Spanish for house. 
Apparently it's a uh, demon cleansing ceremony. Well, I'm glad you found out. Hopefully you got the baby daddy out of your life and to a minimal degree in the baby's life and hopefully the voodoo has stopped. No one needs a big bad voodoo daddy in their life unless they're listening literally to the band The Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, which no one does anymore. This is not the late 90s. Um, my tour, the Laugh It Off tour, just finished its first weekend in Tampa, Florida at Side Splitters. Thank you to all who came out. Amazing crowds. Uh, please use the hashtag Laugh It Off tour if you want to see the dates, but I'll tell them to you right now. I'll be this weekend, Thursday through, or Wednesday actually, through Sunday in Lake Tahoe at Harvey's Hotel and Casino at the Improv. In Chicago at Zany's, January 24th to 27th. Indio, February 9 through 10. Minneap- Minneapolis and Minneapolis at the same damn time. March 8th through 11th. Edmonton, March 15 through 18. Phoenix, March 22 to 25. Boston, April 12 to 14. San Diego at the Comedy Store in La Jolla, June 1 to 3. Dallas, Texas, July 12 and 13, and Plano, Texas on July 14th. A couple more announced dates coming up soon. I think we'll have one in Irvine, California. I'll also be at Comedy Juice at the Hollywood Improv in L.A. on February 7th, and a Washington, D.C. date coming your way as Weasel. Um, that's as well in weird language that I'm trying to kind of mix with Snoop Dogg's language and my own twist on it. And I'll probably not say that phrase again. Um, please uh, get tickets to all of those dates at benglebe.com. Or Glebe.com, if you nasty. G-L-E-I-B, you know, baby. Um, sorry for calling y'all babies. I didn't mean, like, baby babies, nor did I mean sexual babies. I just meant, like, what's up, baby? Like, like a, like a super cool dude calling you a baby in a really non-baby and non-sexual way. Just to clarify. I wanted to make that as clear as I possibly could. Um, do me one more favor, Brain Trust. Spread the word about the podcast. Tell a friend or two. Maybe tweet about it on Twitter. Post about it on Instagram or Facebook. Get a couple more listeners going. Um, putting a huge amount of work into the podcast. It's free as always. I would love more people to get to enjoy it. And on that great note, it is time for a super quick Thunder Round. A passenger was turned away from... Two flights recently after wearing 10 layers of clothing. Why was he wearing 10 layers? Pretty damn smart reason. To avoid the luggage fee. That has got to be one of the funniest things I've heard. I've done it. I've definitely been with bags that won't fit or they won't allow in the thing, and I'll open the bag in front of the person before I go on the escalator. So I avoid even checking bags whenever possible. And I put on two, three jackets, a sweatshirt in there as well. It gets hot, but you do get some of your clothes out of that bag. Seeing the picture, the guy is so multi-layered. I give him points for creativity. He wore eight pairs of pants and ten shirts. Eventually, he was, of course, allowed on a flame, on a flame, where he plew flack to his flamsonation. So I'm glad it all worked out flam flam. With a new ingestible pill, you can track fart development in real time on your phone. I don't know what that means. Eliza pasted the story here for me. She was going to introduce it, but I ran long. And I don't even like saying that word. I don't know what it means. I don't want to know. Feel free to research it on your own accord. I am not going to continue that story. And lastly, a man's horrific experience explains why you shouldn't stifle a sneeze. Coughs and sneezes may spread diseases. That rhymes. You knew that because you have ears. But trying to hold your next stern unitation. That word for sneeze? No one knew that. Completely and can cause trouble too. 
A previously fit and well 34-year-old man in England ruptured his throat after he pinched his nose and closed his mouth to contain a sneeze. Don't do that, bro. According to a case study, the British Medical Journal shared online on Monday, apparently caused a bit of a hole in the side of his throat. And uh, I was on the Jason Ellis show today, and we talked about this very same story, and a hole, and we made a bunch of inappropriate comments about what you might do with a hole like that inside your neck, would it be convenient or not? Um, if you can handle incredibly uh, gross conjectures, I encourage you to listen to that show if they put it online later, or if you can listen to serious archives. Um, it reminds me, I can only share and relate in this way, to an incident I reported on the podcast, I think about five years ago, when I had a toothpick in my mouth once, wooden toothpick as they typically are, and I had to sneeze. And I didn't have time or the mental fortitude to take the toothpick out of my mouth first, and I sneezed with the toothpick in my mouth. Thank God I didn't swallow it, but it did. You know, sneezes happen super fast, so like 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, the toothpick just jetted backwards and forward into my lip, splintering my lip. It didn't cut through my lip, but it's just like the... The top of it kind of like skimmed and sent splinters into my lip because this piece of not perfectly smoothed out or lacquered wood touched my lip in a very aggressive way. And um, I don't recommend it. So please, if you have to sneeze, don't hold it in. Don't close your nose and mouth. Definitely don't have toothpicks in your mouth. Straws wouldn't be ideal. Uh, just try to, you know, sneeze like a normal gentleman or lady. Do it into your kerchief if you carry one of those, which you shouldn't because that's super gross. Put it into your arm or something. I don't know where you're supposed to do it. Any place seems gross to me. I use my hands so you can go wash your hands. You can't really wash the crease of your elbow very easily unless you get into a shower or something. And who's got time for that? You're on the move. You're a man about town. You don't have time for it. I don't even have time for a song to end this podcast today. So I'm just going to leave you with a quick recap, as we sometimes do, of the theme song. I thank you for being with me, and until last week, next week, this has been Last Week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.